0: Just your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Let's just all be honest. Um, it's just very easy during the course of our week for the person and work of the Lord to grow strangely dim in light of all of our cares and distractions and everything else that we walk through. And we have this, this glorious opportunity as we come into worship where the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And I wonder if, even just right now, we, we can take that moment just to, to recognize who he is and what he's done of his love for you, his sacrifice for us, the future that we have only because of him and not because of us, of the hope we have in the midst of a dark and darkening world around us. We have hope and life because Jesus lives. Because he died and rose again. And so, Heavenly Father, I I joined together with my brothers and sisters simply to say thank you. Thank you for a reminder yet again of your glory and grace. And could you open the eyes of our heart, literally just enlighten us, Lord, that we might see more of who you are. Forgive us, Lord, when when we do, we get distracted, we, we get just weighed down under a blanket of distractions in this world and we sometimes just lose sight of you. But we thank you this morning that you have not changed one bit and for a new glimpse of your glory. And so, Father, make it even more. God, open up our eyes and we might know and see and glorify you even more. But thank you for who you are and for the life and hope we have in you. In your name we pray and we all said, amen. 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 Well, good morning, church. How are you? Can we thank the choir and the worship team for leading us this morning? Thank you all. Listen, it is always exciting to see brothers and sisters leading us together in worship, Uh, And man, I'm glad that we're going to do that through the Word in just a few moments. Uh, I do hope that you'll bear with me today. I am fighting a cold, so if I sound weird, that is why. Uh, But we're going to press on through, uh, and I am excited to jump into the text for today. Grab your Bibles if you will. Uh, Let's go to John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. Uh, And this ought to be a passage that's getting well worn in your Bible now. It ought to just kind of flop open. Here, uh, as I've gone through the years when I have well-worn Bibles, I can always tell the passages that I like the most because they have these little yellowed spots on the sides where my thumb is uh, from just kind of holding it and kind of turning to those pages. And I hope that this is one of those passages for you that we just keep coming back to it as we're diving into this path to spiritual joy. And we've been walking through this for the past few weeks, this repent, abide, obey, enjoy. It all comes from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. And so let's read that together. Uh, Look what it says here, John 15, uh, verses 9 through 11. He says, as the Father has loved me, uh, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is the goal that God is trying to lead us into is this fullness of spiritual joy. And that is an on offer for every single one of us. This is not just for the rock stars. This is not just missionaries. This is not just people with seminary education or 20 years under their belt. This is any believer in Christ. This is the joy he wants you to find. But he gives us a discernible path to get there. And we've been talking about it over the weeks. And it starts way over here in the land of disobedience. All right? So we all start here. At some point in our lives, we don't ever start as believers. Even if you went to church your entire life, we start as sinners. And sooner or later, there has to be a recognition of this. Where we recognize God is right and I am wrong, and therefore we need to repent. We can say that on a count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Amen. All right, let's a little more Four. us. All right. One, two, three. There you go. There's got to be some oomph behind it, right? There's got to be some feeling of recognition that God is right and I am wrong. I I thought I was on the right path. I thought I could figure it out on my own, and I'm not. I have to turn away from this, this prideful idea that I'm in control, that I know best, and I turn in repentance to the Lord. But once I do that, that leads to the first real step into abiding. Let's say abide on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Right, So I abide in Him. Once I repent, I don't jump straight into the obedience. I abide in Him. I live in an active relationship with Him. I am growing to understand Him, to know Him, to live in Him. Uh, last week, if you were here, you might have gotten a dot, right? And put it on your watch or your phone. Uh, we got extras out there. If you want to pick one up this week, I get my, one of on my phones. just kind of wearing off. I got to get another one, right? Uh, but, but that might have helped you this week to remember, wait a minute, God is with me at all times. I can abide in Him day in and day out. And so I'm constantly nurturing this relationship with Him. I abide in the Lord. That leads us to the next step, which is obey. Let's say that on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Right? So we obey Him just like Jesus did. He would abide in His Father's love, and therefore He would obey His Father's commands. This was a natural progression. He did not have to repent, but we do. We repent, then we abide, and then we obey. And that leads to the final step to enjoy Him. Let's say enjoy on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Right, so this is the goal. This is the end result of what he wants all of us to experience is this fullness of joy in Jesus Christ. And so if we walk this path, if we follow the exact same path that Jesus follows, we will naturally find ourselves here at in joy. Now, the last two weeks, we've talked about repenting. We've talked about abiding, and this week, we're going to talk about obedience but before we dive in fully, I want to talk about where obedience sits in this process. Uh, somebody asked me uh, this week, they said, How come obedience comes after abiding? It doesn't seem uh, to be in the right spot. And for many of us, we do. We put obedience in the wrong spot in our life. For some of us, we eliminate obedience altogether. We say, Adam, all, all that God cares about is that he loves me. As long as I know God loves me and I love him, that's all that matters, okay? And so if I obey, that's just gravy on top. But, but I just need to know that God loves me and I love him and I'm, I know him and so sure, I don't get everything right, but, but this is really the most important thing. We stop short. We never actually get to the joy. We just try to say, all, all that matters is God loves me, but I don't actually have to obey. But you're missing the entire process. Others of us, we almost start and end in obedience, you may assume that this is the only thing that God cares about. You say, Adam, that's the only thing God cares about. You better obey. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you enjoy it. You just better obey, okay? I'm holy, you better be holy, okay? Holiness is the only thing I care about. You better be holy. You can't be unholy. You gotta be holy. You better obey. You broke the rules, stop breaking the rules. You better obey as if this is the only thing that matters, but it's not, Because look where it sits in the process. Obedience isn't the end of the journey. There's a different end. It's joy. Obedience isn't the beginning of the process. It's not the end of the process. Obedience is a vehicle to joy. Now let that sink in for just a second. Because for most of us, we don't think about obedience that way. We think it's something we should do. with something that's right to do. But if you ever actually thought about this? The reason that God wants you to obey is not simply because he's right. It's not because he's powerful and he can tell you what to do. It's not simply because he's sovereign. He says, listen, when you obey, this becomes the vehicle to the joy that I made you for. And if you and I would actually see obedience in that light, it would transform everything. We wouldn't ignore it, but we would also, we wouldn't resist it. We would actually enter in because you will find out that obedience is actually necessary if you want to experience the joy that God has for you. It's almost like uh, going on a walk. Uh, Has anybody ever asked you to go for a walk before? Ever said, hey, let's go for a walk, right? Somebody ever asked you that before? Maybe you've asked that of somebody else. Hey, let's go for a walk. When somebody asks you to go on a walk, you probably understand intuitively that they are not interested in fitness, Right? That is not why they're asking you to go on a walk. If all they were interested in in fitness, they would have gone on a walk without you, right? They would have done it on their own. But they said, no, I want you to go with me. They're not interested in fitness. They said, hey, I want to get to know you. The walk is just an excuse to talk to you. And you know that because when you were walking, you had never actually talked about the walking. Everyone knows that? Like when you go on a walk with somebody, hey, let's go for a walk. You ready for the walk? All right, how do you, you walk walk You go left, left, right, left, right? I go right, left, right, left. How about that? What do you do with your arms when you walk? You do them like this? You ever try walking backwards? You ever try that? That's kind of hard. That's really kind of neat. I mean, I mean you power walking? That would be the weirdest walk ever. When you go walking with somebody, you don't talk about the walking. You talk about everything else. How are you? What went on today? Who'd you talk to? You get to know them. The walking is just an excuse to enjoy somebody's company. But at the same time, the walking is necessary. Imagine if I said, hey, let's go for a walk. And so we start out together and I begin to walk. And I said, well, hey, tell me a little bit about your week. What's going on? Is there something I can pray for you about? And I turn around and realize that you're not, you're not walking with me. You're still way back there. Hey, hey, this is going to be a loud conversation and awkward. Okay, that's, that's not going to work. Right, You're not actually going to get to know somebody if they don't actually walk with you. The walking, it's not simply a vehicle. It's necessary if you actually want to get to know somebody. Okay, obedience is the same way. When God tells us to obey, He could just command you to do that. But what He is saying is this He goes, Look, I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want you to abide in me. I'm trying to lead you to joy. There's a goal here, there's a reason for the obedience. But in the very same breath, the obedience is necessary. You cannot get to the joy God wants you to get to without obeying Jesus Christ. We'll say that again. You cannot get to, the joy that God wants you to get to without obeying Jesus Christ, it is impossible. And so I wanna show you this strong link between uh, love and obedience and and why this is so important. And to do that, we're gonna kick back just a hair in this conversation. So if you find yourself in John 15, let's look back at the verses right before John 15, all right? So now we're in John 14, starting in verse 15, all right? John 14, verse 15, we're in the same context, we're not going far. We're just going back one chapter. We're looking at Jesus's words right before the abide passage. And notice what he says here. He's going to talk to us a lot about the place of obedience in our life in him. So let's start in verse 15 and notice what it says. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. You see this kind of prefiguring of John 15? Whoever has my commandments and keeps them These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Stop right there. All right, so right before this abide passage with the vine and the branches and this, this whole, whole picture and the metaphor that he gives to us, Jesus is explaining more fully the role of obedience in our life with Him. And there's three things I think we need to point out from this passage, three things that will help us here this morning. The first one is this, love and obedience are linked. Love and obedience are linked. You cannot talk about love without obedience, but also you can't talk about obedience without talking about love. Look at verse 15 and notice what it says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Because you got love and obedience that are linked there. Look at verse 21. Verse 21. Down to verse 21, it says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. All right, then skip down to verse 23. In 23, he will say this, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. All right? And then in verse 24, he said, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. All right, so four different times in this passage, he is making a link between love and obedience. He said, if there is love for me, then there will naturally be obedience. Obedience just doesn't come out of nowhere. This is why the abiding is so important, by the way. This is why ab- why abide has to come before obey. It doesn't start with obedience. It starts with the love of the Father. God loves me. He lavishes this love upon me. Therefore, I obey. But there's also no break between these two. If I live in the love of the Lord, then it will naturally lead to obedience. If you love the Lord, this will flow into obedience and vice versa. These two things are linked, but we cannot put one on one side and obedience later on as a different step on the other. They all flow together. All right, here's the second thing we need to understand. Obedience is necessary. Obedience is necessary. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments." Now question, how do you read that? When you read this from Jesus, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You can read it one of two ways. You can either read it as a command or you can read it as a statement of fact. You can read it as a command where Jesus is saying, if you love me, then you better obey my commands. He's telling us to do something. And a lot of us read it that way. We've always felt that. We're like, oh, I should obey. Oh, I should do these things. But I don't think this is actually a command. He's just stating a fact if you love me, you will obey my commands, period. End of story. This is not a command. It's a description of reality. He gives you the converse in verse 24. If somebody doesn't love me or doesn't keep my commands, you don't love me. He said, again, this is just a statement of fact. He says, these two things must go together. If you love me, then you will obey me. If you do not obey me, it shows that you do not Love me, he's just telling us how it is. Obedience is necessary. This is not just for some believers or in some part of our life. He said, no, if I abide, then I must obey because they naturally flow from one another. Obedience is necessary in our walk with the Lord. Now look, let's all be honest. That's one of those verses that can kind of freak you out because for every person here, we're sitting there going, okay, I have a problem. Because I think I love the Lord, and yet I still disobey. Adam, what do I do with the fact that I do love the Lord? I think I love the Lord, but, but, but I have places in my life where I am disobedient. Does this mean I do not love the Lord? Does this mean I, I, I'm not saved? I mean, what does it mean? And we begin to get nervous because we recognize that for all of us as Christians, there are still places where we are not being actively obedient, and we get nervous. What do we do with that? I'm going to put a pin in that and we're going to come back to it towards the end as we continue to understand this. Well, let me jump again to the third point he tells us. He tells us that love and obedience are linked, that obedience is necessary. And then here's the third thing. The Spirit helps us obey. The Holy Spirit helps us obey. Look at verse 15, but let's add verse 16 to it. Look what it says. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Skip down to verse 23. He says, if anybody loves me, he will keep my word. Look at the very next words. And he says, my Father and I will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And then he finishes out in verses 25 and 26 saying, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, he's the one who's going to come and help you do all these things. So when the Lord says obey, he does not simply give us this bare command to obey. He says, no, I'm going to help you obey. This is probably the most encouraging thing he tells us. He says, because you are abiding in me, he does not simply kick us into the next step of obedience. He says, no, I'm going to come with you into that obedience. I'm gonna empower you to obey. I'm gonna help you obey. I don't expect you to do this on your own because you can't do it. The Christian life is impossible, which is why I'm coming along for the journey. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to help you. I'm gonna walk with you to help you actually do this. Again, this is why abiding has to proceed obeying because if I'm not living in the Lord, not walking in him, I will never have the power to actually pull this off. And so what Jesus says here is is that obedience is naturally linked to the abiding and this is what's going to lead to the joy. So let's get specific this morning because this is one of the areas we have to constantly work on. You might say, Adam, I repented. I've been abiding in the Lord and I'm now walking in him. But you and I will inevitably find places where we are still struggling with sin. That's true for me. It's true for you. It's true for all of us. So let's get specific this morning. I won't make you tell me or tell anybody else, but I want you to, in your mind, think about one area, one sin problem in your life that you wrestle with. You might have a few, but I want you to at least narrow it down to at least one. This might be the kind of things that you say. It's your language. P.S., how come you give yourself a buy on that? How, how come we say, well, you know, as everybody's doing it. It's fine. And we just give ourselves a buy. It could be how you spend We might be very selfish with all that we do. We don't ever give to anybody. We're always getting or spending on ourselves. It might be how you treat other people. You say, this this is just my personality. This is what I'm doing. Well, if your personality is sinful, you have a problem, right? We'll say, well, well, that might be the issue. It it might be lust. It might be the things that you watch. It might be the things that you hear. It might be the way that you treat other people. It might be something God's asking you to do, and you just refuse to do it. What is the one area, at least one area, where you say, I'm being disobedient? And let's really get down to the answer why. Why is it? Why do I refuse to obey the Lord? When I know what he says, I know where he's leading me to go. I know what he tells me in his word and I just don't do it. Why is that the case? And I want to give you three possible reasons for that, three barriers to obedience, and they link up with the three things that we just talked about. And if you and I will will truly dig in here, I think the Lord can help move us closer to that joy if we will simply walk with him in obedience. Here are the three problems that many of us have when it comes to obedience. We either have a love problem, we have a trust problem, or we have a power problem. Three different options. You get a love problem, you get a trust problem, or you got a power problem. And they, again, they link up with those three things we just talked about. Let's talk about the first one. Some of us, we have a love problem. When it comes to obedience, the problem for some of us is that we just don't actually believe that God loves us. Now, that's a bold statement, right? You said, Adam, I showed up at church this morning. Come on, dude. I mean, I went to VBS. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. I've been saying this my whole life. Adam, that may be the only thing I do believe. I don't know about all your other theology, but that may be the one thing I actually do believe is that God loves me. And yes, at a certain level, we believe that God loves us. But when you and I refuse to obey the Lord, what it's showing is for some of us is that we know that God loves us a little, but we don't know if he really loves us that much. I don't know if God really has my best interest at heart. I don't know if God really wants me to to get me to joy. I know he loves me a little bit, but I don't know if he loves me that much. And if you doubt the love of God, you're never actually going to follow him in obedience. Let's imagine this. Let's imagine that you have a uh, rich uncle uh, and this rich uncle considers you to be his favorite niece or nephew. Now, Uncles are not supposed to have favorite nieces or nephew, but this one does, and it is widely known that it is you, okay? And this has been true for years. Because for years, this rich uncle has been lavishing on you all sorts of gifts. He invites you and your family on these incredible trips and he's always paying for the whole thing. And so you, your you're home is littered with these pictures of all these incredible places he's taking you and these gifts that he's given you. And he's been doing this for years. Everybody knows that you know it. You are the, 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 the favorite niece or nephew of this incredibly rich uncle. Now imagine that that uncle calls you and he says, hey, listen, I need you to do something for me. Uh, we're going someplace special, uh, but I need you to uh, get off of work for the next two days uh, and clear your calendar for the weekend. Uh, but I'm not telling you what we're doing, okay? So I've taken care of all of it, uh, but just I need you to get off work and I need you to cancel all your plans and I need you to come with me. And you and your family, bring them all. And, and we're going to someplace cool, but I need you to come with me. And you're thinking to yourself, oh man, that's gonna be tough. Man, I gotta, I mean, I gotta get off work. Man, my boss ain't going like that. You know, I'm gonna have to cancel some appointments. That's not fun. I had planned on going to see a movie with some people, you know, like on Friday night. You know, so I mean, I had some things I had already planned on doing. And the question is, are you gonna cancel all those things to go with your rich uncle? Your answer is yes. Yes, of course you are. Because this uncle has a track record of awesomeness. Every single time you go with him, it is some amazing trip. It's some incredible thing that you never could have had otherwise. And it is way better than going to see some movie with your friends. It is way better than even just a couple days at work. It is worth the extra effort and even the lost wages of not being at work for the next couple days because this is going to be incredible because you trust the track record of this incredibly generous uncle. You're going to trust him even when you don't know what's coming. You might say, well, I don't have a rich uncle. And I wish we all had a rich uncle like that, right? But here's what you have. You have an unbelievably generous savior. You have an unbelievably generous God. And let's look at his track record for just a second. You see, this faithful God made you in his image. You are not like the other animals. You are not like anything else in all creation. You are unique in all the universe. And he made you in his very image. He made you to be in relationship with him. He made you to know him. He made you for eternal life. And when you and I rejected that and we rebelled against him, we did the opposite of what he wanted. He didn't cast us off. No, he chased after us. And when you and I got ourselves into trouble, trouble we rightly deserve, trouble that we should be bearing, this same Savior at great cost to himself lays everything aside and comes and lives down in our muck. He chases after us, and instead of letting us take on all of the penalty that we truly deserve, he pushes us out of the way and says, no, give all that to me. Credit all of their pain to me. Credit all of their destruction to me. And he drinks it down on the cross. He conquers death, rises again, and we're still running. He chases us. He comes after us, decades for some of us, until finally when he finds you, he says, I don't require anything, but lay down your life. Repent, and I will give you eternal life. Not simply a forgiveness of what you've already done, but a future, a hope that you cannot possibly understand. I want you to take you into the fullness of my joy. Our God has a track record of amazingness, does he not? So why would we not trust him? Why would we not listen to him when he says, hey, listen. Uh, I know what the world says about sexuality. I need you to not give in to sexual immorality. I need you to follow after me and live as I tell you to. That's always been a sticking point for the people of God, by the way. It's always been weird. People look at us weird that we'd have this fidelity in our sexual relationships. Well, I I want you to be different from the world. Okay, well, I don't don't know how that's gonna work out. That's not what everybody else is doing. Yeah, just trust me. If you believe that God loves you, if you believe that he cares for you, if you believe that he has your best interest in mind, then even when you don't understand, we can follow after him. We trust him. Why? Because I abide in his love. Do you see why abiding has to come before obey? If you just jump to obey, this is never going to work. You're going to keep failing. But if I truly live in the love of God, if I dwell on the love of God, if I begin to live in and drink in the very love of God, then when God asks me to follow, to obey, to, to lay down my life and follow after him, to give instead of receive, I can follow after him. Why? Because he loves me. Because he loves me. Do you wanna deal with your obedience issue? Don't start with obedience, start with love. Because if you live in the love of God, how could we not obey him? But if I refuse to obey, what that tells me is, I believe in a very shallow love of God. I don't believe that God loves me down at my core. And maybe you need to deal with that. And say, God, I need to confess my unbelief. God, you love me at my core. Thank you for your love. For some of us, we have a love problem. Others of us, it's not a love problem, it's a trust problem, (laughs) We do not trust the Lord. When you and I get to a place of obedience and God says, I want you to live this way, we say no for a different reason. It's not that we don't believe that God loves us. It's that we don't actually believe that he's right. We don't actually believe that God knows best, that what God tells us to do is actually going to lead to our flourishing. Now, When you hear that, you go, Adam, I don't really believe that, but think it through. We know we should believe that. We know it's probably right, but down in our core, we just don't. And so we don't follow. You can see this in the behavior of addicts. Uh, We have uh, folks in our church who wrestle with addiction. That may be you. Uh, You may have had a friend or a family member who has struggled with addiction in your life. And if you've ever dealt with an addict and watch an addict deal with things, uh, it's a painful cycle. I have never met an addict who wanted to hurt his family. I've also never met an addict who didn't. Every addict hurts the people that they love. They don't want to, but they always end up hurting the people that they love. Now, at some point, they will recognize, hey, for the sake of my wife, for the sake of my husband, for the sake of my kids, uh, for for the sake of of my church, for all these reasons, I probably should quit. Right, I should give up this addiction. It's what they all want me. My wife wants this. My my husband wants this. My kids want this. And so for their sake, I'll stop. And they do for a time and it never lasts. Do you know why? Because they still down at their core don't believe that that's what's best for them. It's not really what they want. But if at some point the addict comes to a place where they're not doing it for somebody else, but they begin to do it for themselves. They begin to realize, wait a minute, I'm destroying myself. I am out of control. I can't help myself. I do need to change. When they realize that they themselves don't believe anymore that this addiction is better for me, that's when the chances of sobriety go up tremendously. But it has to come down to a trust level. Do you actually believe that the Lord is right? Because listen, you guys hear me preach all the time. You've heard other preachers in your life preach. You. You've read the Bible before. And you think to yourself, I know I should obey the Lord. And my wife wants me to obey the Lord. Or my husband wants me to obey the Lord. Or that pastor, he really wants me to obey the Lord. I know I should do that. And maybe we do for a time. We show up at church, we try to be nice, we try to be good people, and it works for a while, but we always go back to the sin. Why? Because deep down, we do not believe that God's actually right, that God actually knows best. And until you and I trust him, until you and I recognize that, wait a minute, he knows more than me, we will never fully submit to him. We will not surrender what we think, and instead follow after his instructions. We do this in different areas of our life. Um, uh, let me ask you a personal question. Uh, what are you doing with your money right now? Like, how do you handle it? I know for me, you know, you get to a certain age and you start thinking of, hey, I got to start thinking about retirement, Right? Like, what am I supposed to do with all this, right? How much should I save? Where should I put it? Like, how do I deal with this? And please understand, I have no idea the answers to those questions. I went to seminary. There are no finance classes there. And if they were, it'd be terrible. it will be like biblical numbers. I don't know. It'd be terrible, right? Why do you want to invest in qubits? right? I mean, it'd be terrible, right? I know nothing about this. So I have a financial advisor, right? And I say, hey, listen, what do I do? if I want to retire, how much do I have to save? Where do I put it? What do I do with it? And he works out this whole thing. He says, all right, here's what you need to do based on your income and all these different things. And he works out a plan and I trust him. Now look, you got to be very careful who you entrust your money with. I just watched the Bernie Madoff documentary on Netflix. All right, so look, (laughs) you got to be very careful who you entrust your money with, right? Because not all of them know what they're doing. Uh, But here's the one thing I do know. They all know more than me. Everyone knows more than me on this count. And I need to trust somebody else because I know for a fact they know more than me. When it comes to obeying the Lord, you need to ask yourself the question Does the Lord know more than you? When He tells you this is the way to live, do we look at Him and say, You're wiser than I am? Because guess what? You don't ever have to worry about His wisdom, He's the God who created the universe. If I asked you, do you believe God created everything? You'd say yes. If God is omniscient, would you say yes? God is all-knowing. He knows everything. If God made humanity, then he knows how to make us flourish. We've already established that he loves us. God not only loves us, he is wise. And he says, I'm gonna show you how to live. I'm gonna show you the best thing for you to do. What he reveals to us in his word and all of his commandments are not simply tests for us to, or hoops for us to jump through, tests for us to accomplish. He said, no, this is the path to life. And the question is, do you trust him? Do you trust that God knows better than you about how to live life? Because if we continue disobeying, we need to recognize a very painful, dark, prideful thought that lives in our heart. It's this I think I know better than God as to what's best for me. That's what we just found living in our souls. It's not fun. We need to recognize there's some pride in me that says, I think I know best. When you look at God's word and say, I don't have to buy that line. I don't have to obey that command. That's for other people, but I don't have to do that. When it says, love your enemies, that's for everybody else, but it's not for me. When it talks about serving, that's for everybody else, but not for me. What we're saying is, I know best how to flourish in life and God doesn't actually know best. We need to repent of that. And say, I have a trust problem. God, I have not been trusting you, but I recognize now you know best. And so when I don't understand, in fact, especially when I don't understand, I choose to trust you because you know better than me. Therefore, I will obey. And here's the third thing. For some of us, we have a power problem. We have a power problem. You might say, Adam, I do believe that God loves me. And Adam, I do believe that, that I trust the Lord. It's the problem is, is that I keep trying to follow the Lord and it doesn't work. I, I am trying so hard and I, and I do everything I know how I'm supposed to do. And I've been trying this for years and I, I've been working on this and it just doesn't seem to get any better. And I believe you that you're sincere. You have been actively working. But remember what Jesus said. He is not simply asking you to obey. He says, I wanna give you the Holy Spirit to help you obey. What is the problem for some of us when it comes to our obedience is that we're just trying to do it in our own power. This is that tag team we talked about last week. We're working hard. We're trying our best. We just don't have it in us. And the Lord knows that. He says, I know you can't do that. This is why I want to help you. For some of us, we have this picture that God is just sitting at the end of the track with a, a timer, and at the end of it, He's just going to grade our performance on how fast we ran in. Or as if God is just that teacher sitting at the front of the class and while we're taking the test, he's got his eyebrow cocked waiting to grade our performance on how we've done. God is the judge, but he's not just the judge. He says, I'm also gonna be the helper. I'm also gonna love you. I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna indwell you. I'm gonna make my home in you. And I want to empower you to do what on your own you never would be able to do. If you rely on me, again, do you see why the abiding is so necessary? It's so important. If I just start with obedience, I'll always fail. I don't have the power. But when I abide in him and I live in the Spirit and I walk in the Spirit, when he asks me to obey, it's so much easier because I'm not relying just on my power. I get to rely on his. That's so much easier. That's so much less pressure. And it's so much easier to repent when you're living in the Spirit, is it not? Listen, if you're living in the Spirit and you're trying hard and you know you're trying to to surrender to the Spirit and you still fail, and we will, it's so much easier to repent. There's a guy named Brother Lawrence. He was a uh, dishwasher in a monastery about 500 years ago. And uh, he was was actually more holy than all the rest of the monks. Uh, They put his, uh, his writings, his letters together in a little book called The Practice of the Presence of God. Because Brother Lawrence, while he was washing dishes or anything else, just made it his goal to say, I want to live in the presence of God every minute of the day. He wanted to abide in Christ every minute of the day. But invariably, he would fail. And instead, when, when he sinned, instead of running away from the Lord and hiding or, or, or trying to do some penance and work it off, as soon as he sinned, he would do this. He would say, see God, this is who I am without you. This is what I do when I don't rely on you. This is what I'm like when I don't abide in you. Would you help me? Because this is me without you. I need help. He immediately repented, which took him back to abiding, which helped him then obey. You see how much faster that is? Instead of living years in the land of disobedience, when you're here at the first hint of a problem, you immediately repent, you go back to abiding and the spirit is right there to help you. And this goes so much faster when I stop relying on my power or my will and I start relying on his, remember, he loves us. He's here to help us. He wants to encourage us. If you and I would live in that love, if we would trust him, if we would live in the power of the Holy Spirit, he would help us to obey in all things. Which gets us back to that question we asked earlier. He said, well, Adam, what do I do then? I'm a Christian, But I still sin. I'm a Christian, but sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes I do, I make the wrong choice. I'm even fighting and I'm trying, but but what do I do with that? Please understand that for all of us as believers, when you have started your relationship with God, you've turned away from that, you've been born again. You begin to abide in the Lord and walk in obedience. We're all in a process of sanctification. Pruning, if you will. And praise be to God that he doesn't prune us all at once. But he takes time. And little by little, as the years go by, as the days go by, he prunes us. He cuts things out of our life. He shows us different things at different times so that we might grow up after days, after years, after decades, to continually experience the joy of the Spirit. So as we walk, we will consistently find places where being disobedient. This is the place to repent to abide, so then we have more power to obey, and this is what leads us to joy. So let me ask you again, what is this one sin that you're dealing with? We probably have multiple. I do, what's yours? When you get that in your mind, ask yourself, why is it that I persist in this sin? Why is it that I continue to move in this path? Is it a love problem? I need to recognize that God loves me more than I have ever thought. More than I ever dared dream, God loves me. Is it a trust problem? Do you truly believe that God's ways are best? That he has your best interest in mind? That his ways will always lead to human flourishing? Do you need to repent of some pride to listen to the Lord? Or maybe it's a power problem. You're being very sincere and you're trying really hard, but you're trying to do it on your own. Listen, if you love to run after the Lord and do good things, but you have a really hard time having a quiet time, that may be your problem. I love to do things for the Lord, but I have a hard time sitting with him. Okay, you can only do so much. Maybe you have a power problem. Lord, I need to rely on you and your spirit to carry me through. I repent, abide, obey, and that's what's going to lead you to joy. So do this right. Bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Where's the hiccup for you? Where's a place in your life where you just say, I refuse to give in to the Lord on this. I know what God's word says. I know what he tells me to do. And I just keep ignoring it. I run away from it. I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to listen to people who tell me that kind of thing. Some of you are listening on a podcast today because you've been running for years you won't even come to a church service. And I wonder if today the Lord's calling you back. This is not about him just putting you in your place. This is not about him just showing you how powerful he is. This is the God of the universe who has a track record of love, who cares for you, who is saying, I wanna lead you to joy in life. That's what I made you for. But there's only one path. You'll never find it on your own. You are not going to find this on your own terms. You cannot do this in the path of disobedience. Why do you persist and running after your own pig pit? I wonder if some of you here today just need to repent. You just need to turn away from your sin and just say, God, I'm sorry. You will find open arms from a heavenly father who still loves you. You'll find cleansing from a spirit, a cleansing you can't give yourself and you find a fresh opportunity to abide in Him, to live in Him, to grow in Him, and to walk in His Spirit, that you might have joy. Why would we not chase after Him? And so maybe even just right now, you want need to lift that up to the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry for this. I, 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 I repent. I'm sorry. I'm not going to make excuses for it anymore. I'm not going to make uh, just, uh, you know, acknowledgement of it anymore. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. And I need help. And let today be the day you enter back into an abiding, obeying relationship with him that leads to joy. So Father, help us. For all my brothers and sisters in this room, for all of us as we do, we wanna follow after you. Would you help us? Speak to us. By your Holy Spirit, convict us. Speak to us of the places that are holding us back from joy that we might surrender to you. Lord, I pray for anybody in this room who's been dancing around you for decades, but they've never fully surrendered their life to you. May today be the day they realize that your arms are still open, your offer is still on the table, that you care about them. And today, at the beginning of the day, they surrender their life and find a born again, living relationship with you. May today be the day of faith for them. God, help us. Thank you for helping us as we follow after you. In your name we pray.